Now, I want to uh, have you turn to Acts chapter number 6. I am going to uh, give you something this evening that I've been working on in uh, this uh, uh, last, our last month. Uh, we have started, I gave all of our deacons a, a book that I wanted them to read about. What is a Baptist deacon? What's the purpose of a deacon in the church? Somebody, somebody raise your hand and tell me, what's the purpose? What is, why do we have deacons in the local church? All right, to help the pastor, okay. Somebody else, yes. Take care of the widows, okay. Is that what you were going to say? Minister, okay. Somebody else. Yes. Give the pastor a raise. Yeah. All right. I like him. Are you a deacon? You should be. Um, any other? Anything else? What's the reason? What's the purpose? I want to study. We're going to teach and and develop that uh, with all of our with all of our deacons here. Um, Joe Steck is a deacon. Who else? Where's Brian? He already leave. He's doing the money. He, um, Brian, Brian um, is is our uh, chairman of our deacon board. That's something that our our advisory board just developed. Um, I know you can't find that title, chairman of the deacon board, in the New Testament. That's more just so uh, for our church, so that there is leadership in our church. Our church has what we call a church constitution, and that church constitution is our bylaws. It's how we operate. Um, the day-to-day types of things in our church. And uh, if I were to, right now, if I were to drop dead right here, and uh, they, my wife would cry. Yeah, she's looking at me like, don't do that. But if I did, and um, Steve came over, and they couldn't revive me, and they had to cart me out of here, what would happen? Who'd, who'd lead the church? Who would make those decisions? You don't want confusion. You want to continue to move forward because the church doesn't belong to us it belongs to Christ and we want to be good stewards of what he's given to us and so I want to I want to just do a bible study this evening I want to give you some some thoughts here from the word of God uh, and I uh, hope this will be a help and these are some things that we, in our deacon training uh, that uh, we're going to go over and and so I'm just going to give you a, a first look at uh, some things here this evening. Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6. In verse number 2, we'll begin. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, the reason they said that is not because they were lazy. It wasn't because they didn't want to serve tells us here in the next verse, the Bible says this, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer into the ministry of the Word. This, uh, this week specifically, you know, this week there has been, uh, every day this week up until tomorrow, there has been uh, a funeral of someone not necessarily in our church, but somebody that is related to somebody in our church. I have this week, uh, up until even today, I've spent a lot of time uh, with, with families of those that 
have lost someone they love in doing funerals. And tomorrow, uh, another funeral. I'll, I'll spend time with a disabled family uh, later this evening. And then tomorrow morning, I'll meet with them and we'll uh, have a funeral there uh, tomorrow for this family. And that takes a lot of time. While that's happening, there's a lot of things that still have to go on at the church. Everything cannot get on hold when there becomes um, a lot of stuff that happens at the church. So what happens is this. You can either meet the needs of those that truly have needs or they don't get their needs met and you're working on something else over here. All of it's important. Here, what specifically is happening in the church, the church is growing. Thousands of people right at Pentecost get saved. And they're now, they're now at this place where they're even now trying to figure out what a local New Testament church is. I mean, think about that. You hear this preaching, and thousands of people get saved, and people every day are getting saved, and people that are getting saved are moving into your house. And you don't know who these people are. But they're church members. Could you imagine tonight if somebody just knocked on your door, hey, I just joined Monclova Road Baptist Church, and um, I heard I'm living with you now. That's what's, that's what's happening here. Yeah, I hope you have, you know, I hope you, I hope you have enough food because I got six people behind me that's moving in to your, to your house. That's what's happening here. There are people that are joining the church and these needs are coming up specifically here. Uh, let's continue reading verse number five. And in the saying, pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost and Philip. I'm not going to read all through these other names here. Um, uh, in verse number six, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the pre, uh, priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and of power, did wonders and miracles among the people. So what we have is here, the people, their needs need to be met. Specifically, there were widows. And the Bible calls them widows in need or widows in deed, meaning this. Their husband is gone and they don't have children that can take care of them. And so they have no way to, to, to supply for themselves. This is more than, hey, my gutters are, are filled and are, we need someone to come. No, they were caring. They were meeting the physical, the spiritual, the emotional needs of these people that were getting saved and didn't have a way of helping themselves. The local church in the book of Acts was a church that was all centered around serving and giving. That would be exciting, wouldn't it be? Everything you had, you had so that you could be a blessing to somebody else. That's the New Testament church. That's the way the Christians, first-generation Christians, behaved. But what happened is this. The church got to such a place where the apostles couldn't do everything. Couldn't do everything. Everyone needed something, but there wasn't enough help. And so what they said was this, we want you to, we want you to uh, find men. Now, this wasn't just, you know, find anybody that's willing to help. There were specific requirements on these men and they said we want you to find these men so that these men are there so that the apostles they can continue to study the word of god they can continue to pray they can continue to meet with the lord so that the church spiritually is fed 
But there's also physical needs that need to be taken care of. In, in, in what we find here in the book of Acts, there was the importance of meeting those physical needs the church to handle as well. And so here we find where there were some men that they were full of the Holy Ghost. These were spiritual men. And they, were laid their hands, uh, they laid their hands on these men and these men began to serve the church. And I want to uh, 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 just build on that and lead up to some things. When the, when the Bible mentions the word church, it's referring to a local called out assembly of organized body of believers who are saved and baptized. The church is a local church. It's a called out assembly of believers that are saved and baptized that come together to make up that local church. And so the church, the church has specific activities that, um, that it uh, is supposed to do. And um, uh, these, are, these are some things here. I mean, just for sake of time, I'm going to give you some Bible references to go along with these. And you can go and you can study these, these references and, and do, do a Bible study here. Um, and if I go through each and every one of these and turn to these, then we're going to um, uh, not get through this this evening. But, but the purpose of the church, one, one is to, to receive and also dismiss members. And we'll get to some of that in just a minute. It's the church's responsibility to receive them. And, and at times, at times, church has to dismiss members as well. And we find, we find in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 9, in uh, the church there, when Paul came to the church, the church was very uh, cautious of receiving Paul. They were cautious because Paul had a testimony that they weren't sure of. They thought maybe Paul was going to come in and, and find out who all these Christians were, and once he found out who these Christians were, then he was going to have them killed. That's what they thought. And so they were very cautious, and there were some that knew Paul and knew of the fact that he's been saved and knew that his life had been changed, and they stuck up for Paul, and they said, no, that's not the way Paul is. Paul now is a changed man. Paul didn't turn over a new leaf. Paul got saved. And there were some in the church that said, we need to receive Paul into the church because Paul is saved. He now is no longer an enemy of the, of the gospel, an enemy of the Christians. He now is giving his life so others hear the gospel. We find that in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 9. We also find, would find this throughout the church. We'd find the church, um, the, the, the church is, is, is to be sure that it maintains worship and authority. Romans chapter number 16, Romans chapter number 16, and you can go to verse number 17, you'd find where the church would be there so that we can worship. The purpose of the church is when we come together is so that we worship Christ. That's why our hearts need to be right when we come to church. We can't worship the Lord if we're, if we're bickering and fighting and upset and picking things apart and being critical. All you do is you sit there and what it becomes is about you, not about Christ. And so when we come together, there should be worship. Singing is so important. I know I say this, and you're probably getting tired of me saying it, but I'm telling you, singing, I don't know how somebody's saved and doesn't sing. I have a horrible voice, but I love to sing because when we're singing we're singing about Jesus Christ we come together worship we worship him through singing we worship him through giving we worship him through preaching it's worship and it's also the church is also there not only to worship it's also there um, uh, for for 
authority. So somebody sins. You know, in Matthew chapter number 18, there's specifically how to handle when somebody in the church sins. Now let me just stop there for just a moment as we're studying through this in Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18 is not there so that somebody's sin is always where we're always bringing somebody in front of the church. Guess what, guess what Steve did this week? And Joe, you're next. What are you laughing about, Michelle? You're next too. And your friend Lindsay, yeah, she's got to come up here. You know what they've done. That's not the purpose of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is, is about restoration. If you're not restored, that's then when the discipline comes. So Pastor Oscar, he, um, he, um, he is living in sin. His wife catches him eating Taco Bell every single night when he's not supposed to. The doctor said it's sin. You can't do it. He's living in sin, and, and, and so what's supposed to happen is this. We're supposed to go to him, one person go to him, and confront him, and if he reconciles that, what we find is it's done. We don't bring him up and say, guess what? He was caught three nights in a row eating Taco Bell, and it was a sin, and I want to let the church know, just so everyone knows. No, it's reconciled there. It's, it ends there. If, if, if he then continues, we go to him and say, now, Pastor Oscar, you're, you're living in sin. You can't live it. And he refuses. Then I take Alan with me to him, and we then go to him, and there's a witness there. If he reconciles that sin there with that witness, you know what happens? It's reconciled. It's done. We don't bring him up and say, now listen, he was doing this and doing this, and, and, and I de dealt with him, and, and he didn't get through it. And, and then, 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 then Brother Alan and I went and talked to him, and, and he got it reconciled. But I just want to make sure that he has to get up and apologize now to everybody because his sin, no, it's reconciled there and it's done. But if he continues in that sin, we go to him privately we go to him with another brother then he continues in that sin and he will not reconcile he will not go from that sin then then we bring him before the church matthew chapter number 18 and we say to, to the church this believer he has chosen he has chosen to continue in sin knowing that it's wrong and the church then gives him over where we then say, all right, you are now given over to the world. You're given over to, to Satan to, to, to buffet you. And, and you are now not, no longer part of the church until he reconciles that sin. He reconciles that sin, then we welcome him back. You see, that authority, that discipline is always about reconciliation. And so we find if you just study through there, you find that the church, the church, a specific activity of the church is for the maintained worship and it is uh, for authority when, when someone that needs to be dealt with in sin. They manage the affairs of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 40. The Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. And so I think when the church functions and church operates, things ought to be done decently and things ought to be done in order. And so the church, how it functions, the, it manages the affairs of the body. And, and um, there are some things here that I want to uh, uh, present. A biblical church, a biblical church could be defined in the following. And there's a few assemblies here. One, one would be a congregational assembly. You know what that means? It's self-governing. 
The church itself is self-governing. It's not governed by someone on the outside. And in Acts chapter number 16, verse number 5, and Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, if you want to take, take some of these down, uh, take those down and study those through the church. It's leaders. Uh, it, it has its own pastors. It has its own elders. It has its own, its own uh, 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 deacons. There's leadership, and it's self-governing. Meaning this, when a decision has to be made in the church, there are those that are in leadership that are leading and there's not someone else that the church goes to. Now, let me also say this. The church does not belong to the pastor. Mount Clover Road Baptist Church is not my church. There are some times that there are some decisions that, that someone comes to me on staff. They'll say, Pastor, what do you want to do here? What do you think? And there's times I'll say to myself, I shouldn't have to pick every single, make every single decision. Christ is the head of the church. My responsibility as a pastor is to be sure that there's not doctrinal uh, issues that are happening in a church. My, my position is to be sure that spiritually people are being fed, that, that nothing is coming in and creeping in that would be uh, doctrinally wrong so that the church spiritually and doctrinally is where it, Christ desires for it to be. What, what do I go by? I go by the Word of God. Then there are others in the church that other, others make decisions. There's others, there's those on our leadership committee, there's deacons that make decisions uh, that are in our church. But our church then, there's things our church votes on, and our church then uh, uh, decides, and that's a congregational assembly. Also, there would be a um, theocratic assembly. That would be this. Every member is individually responsible to God. Do you realize this? I don't go before God for everyone individually. You're responsible before God. Every single person here. Now I do say, God, give our church wisdom and give our church vision and help us to accomplish what you desire for us. But you individually, you're responsible before God. I don't go into my prayer closet and say, God, forgive all the sins of everybody here in the church. Your responsibility is to live a righteous life before God. One of, the, one of the things we believe in as, as Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer, meaning this, that you have access to God. You don't have to come to me and say, I really need God to know this is going on in my life and I really need answers. Could you go to Him and, and let Him know I need this? You know what the wonderful thing of a believer is? You can go to God. You can enter that throne room of God in Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you individually to take your petitions before God. We, um, <clears throat> Acts chapter number 15, you can study that chapter. We're a Christian assembly. We are obedient to the Word of God. What, what we as a church, as a church, what, what drives us? What is our authority? The Word of God is our authority. That's why, listen, that's why we cannot cave to the things of culture and the things of society. If it's sin in the Bible when the Bible was written, then it's still sin today. 
That's where we take a stand against certain lifestyles. Now, we don't have to be, and we shouldn't be ugly. We should be like Christ, and we should be loving, and we should be kind, but we, we take a stand against sin. A lot of people don't want to attend a church that preaches against sin, but that's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is so us to live what the Bible says. It is our authority. Do you know, there are, there are, there are standards that I as a pastor have to live by. If I do not live by those biblical standards, I cannot be the pastor of this church. My wife decides that she's going to, to leave. And she, she, she just walks out of my home and she says, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this, and she leaves. I believe spiritually uh, that my home is not in order the way the Bible says it should be, and I would, I would resign as the pastor. Because in the Bible, it's my responsibility. One of the requirements is that my family, my children, if one of my children, now I'm not talking about you know, getting in trouble in school, but if there were some of my children that went against while they were still living under my roof, if, if, if Jacob decided that he was no longer uh, going to, to follow the Word of God, he's no longer going to live a Christian life, and he was going to totally rebel against everything that, that we've taught them, and he was still living under our roof, if, if Kaylee decided that as an eighth grade girl, she's going to go out and she's going to live whatever lifestyle she wants to live, then I would resign as your pastor. The reason why is I believe that there's specific requirements that I as the pastor have to live by in order for me to uh, be able to pastor this church. We're a Christian assembly. We recognize the Word of God and we recognize that the body belongs to Christ. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25. And write this down, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. And write those down and Again, I want you to do a study on these. In the church, the church is a living organism. It's composed of people who need, who, who, who need each other and who corporately worship the Lord. This church is a living organism. It's alive. This is not some man-made idea. Now, we need to be careful because there are some man-made ideas in the church that sometimes we hold more more. Uh, dear and more, more biblical than they're not. But the church is not man's idea. That was God's idea for believers in the New Testament. It's a living organism. You know, this, the, 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 the Word of God, the Bible says, is going to live forever. But the church, the church, as, as you read through, and I read the same articles, and I study some of those same trends, and they're saying in America we're taking the same trend as happened in Europe, and it seems like the church is, is declining, and the church, you know, people aren't going to church anymore. People don't want anything to do with the Lord anymore. And that, that is the way of society. But the reality is this. The church is always going to be here as long as the Holy, uh, Holy Ghost is Holy Spirit here upon this earth until Jesus comes back. When Jesus returns and, and, and takes us home, then the church would cease to exist here on this earth. But until then, there's always going to be a called out assembly. They might not be large groups, but there's always going to be a church until Christ returns. And so, this, um, the church is a living organism. In the purpose of the church, look with me in Matthew, if you would please, Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. 
Some, some have asked, what's the purpose of the church? You know, what, what do we do? What's our vision statement? What, what is the purpose of our church? And, 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 and I think the church ought to have a purpose. The church ought to have a mission. The church ought to have a vision of what it wants to accomplish. But none of those things, none of those things should deter us from doing what Matthew chapter number 28 says. Anything that we do should promote more of Matthew chapter number 28. In verse number 18, the Bible says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things whithersoever i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even unto the end of the world amen the purpose of the church the 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 goal of the church what we as christians ought to do what monclova road baptist church ought to be passionate about doing what we ought to be doing is taking the gospel of jesus christ to the ends of the earth That ought to be our goal. Here in Monclova, in Toledo, in Ohio, in the United States, on every continent, to every corners of this world, we ought to be taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the church. The church is about missions. The church is about outreach. The church needs to be very careful when the church becomes inward focused and all we do is be concerned with what we need and what we want. When a church gets inward focus, we, um, where, where we um, bought a house this past year, we drive by the entrance, the parking lot, to the Brandywine Country Club. And I drive by that place sometimes, and they're putting a brand new pool in. They've got a, a weight room in there, an exercise room. They've got a, a golf course. Half the year, it's, a, it's a, a lake, but the other half, it's actually green, and you can, you can tee off of it. But you know, I can't just go there and say, hey, pull me up a cart and uh, uh, give me the keys and here's my bags and I'm taking off. And when I'm done, I'm going to go take a dip in the pool. If so, they say, "Uh, you're not a member. This is just for members. Now, when we first moved there, the lady wanted us to be members. And so she said, oh, just come anytime you want. Oh, yeah, take a group of people golfing. And then she told us how much it was. And I said, we're just going to use the swing set in our backyard. (laughs) And you can't come use it. (laughs) We can't just freely use it. It's not for guests. Sometimes, unfortunately, I think the church has gotten to that place as well. We have our own lingo. Guests come in, and they don't know where they fit. People come in, and, and, and everyone looks a certain way, and everyone acts a certain way, and they're all using this, you know, the, the lingo on, on, on things and the abbreviation of things, and they don't feel like they fit. You know what they feel like? They don't belong there. You've heard this before. The church should not be a hospital or should not be a museum of of all these righteous people. It ought to be a hospital where people can come and whatever need they have, they ought to be able to get fixed. That's the purpose of the church. The church is to, number one, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and then once someone has the gospel to baptize them, once they're baptized, then they should be disciples, become disciples so they then take the gospel of Jesus Christ out into a world that needs it. It should constantly be reproducing itself. You know, I believe this. Churches ought to be starting other churches. They reproduce themselves. 
And so, so I don't want to get hung up on that, but the purpose of the church we find in Matthew chapter number 28. And, 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 and um, there, are, there are some things that always come up within a local church. There are some concerns that always come up. There are concerns. These are legitimate concerns. You know, in, here in Acts chapter number 2, what we found, uh, or chapter number 6, what we found, we found very legitimate concerns. When they came to the church, you know what we found? There were legitimate needs that needed to be dealt with. There are legitimate needs here in the church, a local church, that should be dealt with, that people need to be involved in. That's why we have pastors. That's why we have elders. That's why we have deacons. That's why we have men in, in, in leadership positions because their responsibility is to meet the legitimate needs of the church when a widow is a widow in need and and she has no one to care for her the church is required to meet the need of that widow there's legitimate needs you know then there are these preferential needs there's there's needs and and colors of and decor and 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 and, uh, uh uh things you know location where we have sunday school where we do those things you know those things are just those are needs but those aren't needs that everyone in the church ought to always have a vote on you know one of the things i i put on <laughs> I, I shouldn't have done this um uh but i just i was i really i was just joking i was kidding I had this fond idea that we will put these options of chairs on Facebook and let every, there are people, someone from the Philippines put his two cents on what color chairs we ought to have. My mother-in-law told us what color chairs that we ought to have. My wife said, why would you do such a thing? She says, everybody, everybody. I think before I came into church here this evening, we had 150 some different uh, uh, opinions on what color. You know why we don't vote on chairs? Because nobody agrees. There are people that think that we ought to have a certain color and then others that would argue. There have been. My wife even said, she said, you know, churches have split over the color of chairs and carpets. Why would you put that on Facebook? I said, well, if I take it off now, Everyone's going to think there was a problem, so I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Can you, I, I don't know what I was thinking. There are some things, Brother Joe, that the church, as a body, could care less, or should. Mature, mature Christians recognize that these are non-essential things. And they don't always have to have a say. Someone says, well, who picks it out then? Kent Buer, he's the wisest guy. He pays people that have those opinions. You know, so, so some, some, there's preferential, there, there's legitimate things. There's also, there's also carnal concerns, you know. There are some that, that there's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of uh, uh, uncontrolled tongues. We saw that, we saw that last uh, uh, Sunday morning, I believe it was, when we looked at um, um, James, chapter number 3, uh, 5 and 6. You know, there are some carnal concerns. You know, there are some things that unfortunately we deal with. They're, they're very carnal. They have nothing to do with getting the gospel out. They're not legitimate concerns. They're not even preferential concerns. They're just carnal. Somebody didn't get what they wanted, and they're mad. Unfortunately, the church deals with carnal concerns. The church also also uh, deals with satanic attacks. You know, in Acts chapter number 20, all through the book of Acts, you would find, you know what happened when the church started going forward? You know who started hindering the church? Satan. Do you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to hinder 
everything that God desires to bless. Somebody wants to start serving and somebody, you know, they, 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 they step up and they start serving or teaching or, or maybe being a, a, a leadership in the church and it seems like as soon as they step up and they start serving, it seems like all of a sudden an onslaught comes. Anybody ever happened that? Man, the more you get involved, it seems like the more... Listen, because Satan wants to destroy anything that's going to do what God wants to accomplish. If you are a member of a local church, do you know what Satan wants to do? Anything he can to destroy you. Because the church is supposed to move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church, its concern is that we come together as a local body of assembly so that we can go out and preach the gospel so that people can get saved, so that we can bring them in and they can be baptized, so that we can sit with them and open the Word of God up and show them what the Bible says so that they can take the Word of God and they can go out and they can see people saved and so they can get baptized so that they can come in and the Bible gets opened up and they get discipled so that what? So they take the Bible and they go out. You see how the church is supposed to work? And Satan then wants to disrupt that. He wants to get in and aggravate and attack. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know who he wants to devour? The one that could do something for God. Marriages are under attack. You know why? Because God ordained the home. This, this uh, transgender uh, issues in our country and in, in the homosexual uh, 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 issues in our country, no, those are attacks because God has ordained a home and Satan is going to do everything he can to disrupt and destroy what God is wanting to bless. You set out to have a godly home and I promise you, I guarantee you, Satan is going to attack you. And I don't want to repeat everything I've preached because we're not studying 1 Peter, but that's why it's so important to put on the full armor of God so that we can withstand the attacks of Satan. And so, so there, are, there are satanic attacks. Satan, he attempt, attempts to corrupt. Satan attempts to, attempts to come in with false doctrine. He wants to sabotage what Christ has set up in the church. And, and um, there, are, there are specific then biblical needs and let me just give you these and then and I'll be done. Acts chapter number 6 where we started reading verses 2 through 5. There are some biblical needs of the deacons. There's specific needs that we have. And I promise you, I see what time it is. I'm going to read these off. You can write them down. And um, we'll even come back and study them another time. But Acts chapter number 6, verses 2 through 5. What you would find... There's a biblical need for these men, and there's some characteristics about these men. Number one, when we look, these 12, these 12 they called uh, uh, the disciples together and said, it's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look yet among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Number one, they had a godly influence. When people looked out into the church, they saw these men, and when they saw these men, they said these men are godly men. Listen, you don't put a person in leadership to make them something. You put the person in leadership that already is something. I'd never say, hey, Pastor Oscar, we, uh, we really want to mentor you and really help you to become all that God wants you to become. So we're going to vote you in as a deacon so that we can mentor you so you can be a deacon. 
No, he should already be living a godly life. He should already be living what the example is so that when he's looked out, someone says, that's who ought to be a deacon. A deacon is not about who's most popular. A deacon isn't about who has the most money. The, per, the deacon isn't about the, even who is the one that can, can, can talk the most or the smartest in the church. A deacon, one of leadership in a church, the first requirement is they are godly. And when someone sees them, they recognize that person walks with God. Secondly, secondly, write this down. They had godly relationships. They, they Among the people, they had relationships. These people knew who these deacons were. They, number three, they had, they had a godly rep, reputation. They were men of honest report. They don't have shady business dealings. They're not running numbers, you know, on the side, taking, you know, the bets for March Madness, you know, give me a, give me a dollar and, and you might make a hundred dollars, you know. That, that's not what they, they're not, they're not, they're honest men. They're men that when you come to them and ask them their opinion, they are honest and they're giving you a biblical answer. These are honest men. And this is what the leadership of a church should always look to to have. They, 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 uh, they had or they were full of wisdom. And, and so when you go to them, now wisdom, wisdom is not somebody that uh, has had a lot of life experience. Wisdom only comes from God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of who? Knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Knowledge, I can get knowledge from going to school. I can get knowledge from studying. I can get knowledge from improving my education. But wisdom comes from spending time with God. A wise person, evidence of someone spending time with God, is their wisdom. So what the time they spend with God, then when they speak or they lead, what God has given them comes out of them. And so that's wisdom. In leadership, deacons ought to have wisdom. They were full of wisdom. They, they had a servant's heart. Those men should be the men in our church that are servants. They ought to be serving. It ought to be noticeable. It ought to be something that they're constantly, they're always involved in ministering to somebody's needs. They're servants. They had a servant's heart. And they were men of faith. They were men that said God can do big things and we need to let God do big things. A church needs leaders who have great faith. I believe that God can do more than what we ourselves can think that we could do ourselves. God can do more with us if we just have faith that He can do it. God can do great things. People can be saved. We can send missionaries around this world. Churches can be planted. God can bless. People can be discipled. And God can make a difference. We can see an impact in this world for the cause of Christ. It takes great faith. And the leaders in the church ought to, ought to have great faith. Great faith. 